Hello, this is Frank Bell. This is going to be a short, targeted podcast about how to prepare pictures for posting to a website or blog using the GNU Image Manipulation Program, commonly known as the GIMP. As background, I'm an avid snapshot photographer and have been since I got my first camera going on to 40 years ago. I post a lot of pictures to my blog. and. I like to make them as interesting as possible when I do. My goal is to enhance the picture and bring out what I found interesting when I took it, not to transform the picture. In other words, I won't be telling you how to put Marsha's head on John's body. This will simply cover how I prepare a picture for posting. But I also believe this process would be useful to most home photographers who want to share pictures with family or friends. GIMP tutorials are a dime a dozen. If you enter GIMP tutorial in Google, you will get more links than you can shake an electron at. So why am I trying a hand at one? So I want to start by telling you about my first experience with the GIMP. As a newly minted Slackware user with Slackware 10.0, starting to learn my Rare Linux, I opened up the GIMP. And I took a look at it and I said to myself, I said, Self, you can't make heads or tail of this. And I closed the program back up and really did not look at it again for several years. So what was it I found intimidating about the GIMP? Now, these things I'm going to say next are not complaints. They are observations. The GIMP is a powerful program. They can do marvelous things. When I opened PaintShop Pro for for the first time, because I had to use it at one of the jobs I had, I had the same reaction. But with PaintShop Pro, I had someone sitting at my side to show me how to get started using it. So I ultimately became pretty good with PaintShop Pro. The first comment I will have that I think new users to the GIMP find intimidating is that the menus are redundant, especially among the main menu items of filters, tools, and colors. For example, much of the item that's under the colors main menu is also under the tools main menu under a colors submenu. That's confusing because for a new user who wants a simple path, knowing where to go to find what is challenging. Another challenge to the new user is the technical terminology. It's a technical program, and it uses technical terminology such as saturation, components, color curves, and thresholds. But Joe Blow or Frank Bell, home photographer, has no idea what it means to desaturate 
an image. I can click the item, I can watch it happen, but I still don't have understanding that tells me when and why I would use that command. I think the GIMP illustrates an old story that a friend of mine told me back in the very early days when using computers was first moving out of the IT departments and into day-to-day -day business life. He said to me, Frank, if the salesman tells you that the program is simple to use, it's not going to do what you want. If he tells you it will do what you want, it's not going to be simple to use. If he tells you that it's simple to use and it will do what you want, he's lying. As I mentioned earlier, online tutorials for the GIMP are a dime a dozen. So why do I think I might have a contribution? Most of the online tutorials I have seen suffer from either engineer-itis or expert-itis. Engineer-itis means that they will give you excellent descriptions of the individual pieces of the program, the various menu items, and how to use them. But they don't give you a good picture of how all those things fit together to create a finished product. Because that's how engineers build things, one piece at a time. On the other hand, there's expertitis, where someone is so good at doing something, he cannot remember what it was like to be ignorant, and therefore cannot explain what he's doing to someone who is ignorant, that is, someone who is new to whatever the process is. And of course, there is nothing wrong with ignorance. Ignorance can be cured. Stupid on the other end, but I digress. The best tutorial I have found on the GIMP, and one I recommend highly, is a series of video tutorials at a website called meetthegimp.org. The link will be in the show notes. Everything I've learned about how to use the GIMP, I have learned from meetthegimp.org. And I think part of the reason is that the person creating the tutorials is a teacher, and he knows how to present information. They generally run 20 minutes to half an hour long. The explanations are extremely clear. I recommend them highly. If you watch the first three or four of those tutorials, your friends will think you are an expert in the game. The approach that I take in this podcast is to prepare a picture for posting to my personal website as I record what I do along the way. The system I'm using is a Dell Inspiron 1545N laptop with 2 gigabytes of RAM running Slackware current. The current numbered release of Slackware is 13.37. Slackware current is based on considered changes to that release for the next release. The picture is a picture of a small wasp on the blossom of a portalaca flower on a window box on my front deck. The original picture file is 3,283 kilobytes, or slightly over 3 megs in size, and is 4,288 pixels wide by 3,216 pixels high. And I took it with a Fuji FinePix 3200. My desired outcome is a picture that is 500 pixels wide because 
I quite arbitrarily settle on that as the standard for the widest images on my website, and I rarely deviate from that unless a higher cause requires me to. With a primary focus on the wasp and the wasp position on the flower, large enough for people to see the wasp as clearly as I can render it. As I go through this, I will save the picture at various points along the way, and I will post the original and then the various saved pictures as well as the final to my website and have links to those in the show notes so if you wish you can follow my progress. I already have the picture open in the GIMP. In order for me to see it, it's at 12.5% of size. I'm going to increase it to 25%, and it really is too big for my screen. So I'm going to take it back to 12.5% so I can see the big picture. Now, as I go through these menu items, I will not go into menu items I don't use. You can learn about them elsewhere. I'm simply going to focus on a how-to to adjust the sharpness, the brightness and contrast, and then the crop, and then to resize the picture to my finished product. And that is the sequence I have found most useful over the years in working with this. So I'll start by going to Filters, Enhance, and Sharpen. And why Sharpen isn't under Tools, I do not know, but it's not. Now the Sharpen opens a small window, uh, by default it's to the left, which focuses on a small portion of the screen. Right now, all I see is green because it's the lawn in the background. But there are scroll bars located at the bottom and the right side. So I use those scroll bars to navigate down to where I can see the most important part of the picture for me, which is the wasp. There is a sharpness scale underneath that little inset box. And I can use that scale and move it back and forth. And then in that little box, it will show me a preview. Since I'm ultimately going to scale this picture down to a smaller size, I can have a little leeway with how sharp I want to make it. Because in the big size picture that I'm looking at right now, little imperfections, if I over-sharpen it, that are quite visible, are not so visible when I finally crop and resize the picture down to the desired result. So I pick, pick a picture of sharpness, a degree of sharpness I like, click OK, and it applies. And in the big picture, there's hardly any noticeable difference at all. But just for grins and giggles, I'm going to save a copy of this. The name I gave the original is HPR Wasp 1, and I'm going to call this HPR Wasp Sharpened and save a copy. And I click save, and because I'm saving as a JPEG, an export window pops up, so I need to export it since I'm not saving it in the inherent default GIMP format. The next step I'm going to do is adjust the colors. So I click colors and go to brightness and contrast. Now I have could just as easily have clicked tools, color tools, brightness, contrast, and I would have gotten the exact same dialog. There are two different routes to the same place. Generally, and I took this picture, it was a fairly bright spring day, and what digital cameras do, if they're on autofocus, is they tend to try to find a happy medium. 
That's why if you take a picture at the beach with a digital camera, many times it will come out grayer than you remember the scene. That's because it is grayer. The digital camera is trying to reach some kind of average between the extreme brightness of the sun and the lesser amount of brightness of whatever is in the foregrounds or shadows or what have you. The way to deal with this in a film camera, such as my old Pentax K1000, which my younger son lost during his photography class in high school, but I digress, would be to focus in to the light meter inside the camera told you you were properly adjusted, and then to open up the f-stop two clicks, and that would let the actual brightness come in. The same would work in the snow. With my digital camera, I was not bothering to manually adjust the settings. I have, am still learning how to do that with this camera. But everything is in there. I just need to bring it out. So I adjust the brightness a little bit here. And as I adjust the brightness on the slider scale, I can see it transform the actual image in the GIMP. And also a number appears to the right of the brightness slider scale. If I'm doing a series of pictures that were all taken at the same time and need to be adjusted identically in brightness, I can actually copy that number out from the slider scale for picture number one. And when I do picture number two, I can paste that number back into the slider scale, which is a really, really neat trick. It can save, can save work if you're working with a lot of the same thing. Say you've taken photographs to document the installation of a computer program. If you're installing, say, Slackware, and you want to do a tutorial to show people how to install Slackware, you can't do screenshots because you have bare metal there. But you can use this trick to adjust all your photographs afterwards. So I generally adjust the brightness first, and then adjust the contrast. And when I have it looking like about the right kind of brightness that I remember from the day on which I took the picture, I click OK. And I'm quite happy with this, and I'm going to save this. I'm going to put File and Save As, and I will call this HPR Wasp 1, B, and C for brightness and contrast, .jpg. So we're almost there. The next thing is to crop it. And the reason I like to do these kinds of adjustments first is because I may want to come back to this original picture at some future date and do something else with it. One thing I don't have to do with this picture that sometimes I have to do is to rotate a picture. So I'm going to take a little side trip into rotation. With the GIMP, if you go to the item image on the main menu, there's a sub-menu for transform, and that includes rotating 90 degrees clockwise or counterclockwise or rotating 180 degrees. Uh, it also includes flipping horizontally. But that doesn't include the kind of small variations you need to do sometimes. If you weren't holding, you're at the beach, you're taking a picture, you got distracted by someone walking by and weren't holding that camera particularly level. And when you look at the picture, it looks like that horizon of the Atlantic Ocean, which is supposed to be dead level, is actually sloping downward a degree or two. Where you want to go to make those kind of rotation adjustments 
is to tools, transform tools, rotate, and a rotate dialog will pop up. This is not intuitive. What I normally do is go to the top dialog box, which says angle, and put in a degree. With practice, I've gotten pretty good at guessing whether I want to rotate that picture one degree or two degrees or one and a half degrees. But if I get it wrong, I can always undo it and try again. And in the angle box, you put in the number of degrees you want to rotate something. If you just put in one, that will rotate it clockwise. If you put in minus one, that will rotate it counterclockwise. And this is where you would go to adjust the levelness, if you will, of a picture if you need to tinker with it just an eensy-weensy bit to make up for the human error of getting distracted by that attractive young lady who was walking down the beach while you were trying to take a picture of the car carrier on the horizon. Now, this picture, though, is, is level enough. No one can tell from the Porta Laca flower whether it's a degree or so off, so who cares, so I put cancel. That's how you would rotate a picture to adjust by degree, by one or two or five or ten degrees in the GIMP. So the final step, or the next to the last step, is to crop the picture. So I go to the GIMP toolbox, and so far I haven't had to mess with the toolbox, but I go to the toolbox and I make sure I have clicked Rectangle Select Tool. That's in the top left-hand column of the GIMP toolbox. And then the cursor turns into an X. I draw a rectangle of the part of the picture I want to focus on. I don't like that one, so I can click outside the picture, draw another rectangle. And after a while, I get it looking how I think I want it to look, trying to get the composition so that the wasp is more or less in the middle. And then with it the, there, I click Image and Crop to Selection. Now I'm going to do a check. I'm going to go to the bottom panel of the GIMP window and where the size dialog is, towards the left, I'm going to click 50% to increase the size, increase the size of my program window so I can see the entire picture and decide, yes, that seems to be a pretty good job of cropping. But I don't like the composition. Given that the wasp is on the right side of the flower, most of the flower is in the left side of my picture. The picture is kind of heavily weighted to the left. So I'm going to hit Control Z, undo the whole thing, reduce the size again, click outside the window, and I'm going to recrop and try to place a little more balance between the wasp that I want to be the focus and the heavy weight of this red flower against the green background of the yard, and crop to selection again. And yes, this the composition of this looks a little better, so I will click this one, and I will save as HPR Wasp Crop. Now, the dimensions of the crop picture, which display in the title bar of the GIMP window, are 1,876 by 1,180 pixels. I am not going to post that on the internet. purpose of posting something that looks pretty to my personal blog, it would take too long to load for my taste, 
I'm not a professional photographer. I'm not trying to sell images. I just want somebody to pause by my blog one day and say, oh, that's an interesting picture, and look at it for a minute or two and be amused and entertained. So my next step is to resize it. If I change the size of the display to 100%, it exceeds the size of my screen. So to resize it, I go to Image, Scale Image, and scale means to reduce or increase the size proportionally. And then the width of the image size, and that I use width and height for this. I don't use the X resolution or Y resolution. I type in 500. And then when I click in the height, the GIMP automatically enters the proper height to keep the resolution in the proportions rather than to have it come out looking like something in a front house window. And click Scale. It scales down. And yes, I'm quite happy with this file. Save as. And I will save this as HR Wasp Resized. And there I'm done. With a little bit of practice, you can get down so you can post a whole slew of pictures in 15 or 20 minutes, almost automating this process in your brain. Again, my goal here is to enhance the image, not to transform it. I don't want to turn it into a negative. I don't want to posterize it. I don't want to make it black and white or grayscale. I just want to post a pretty picture that I think people might enjoy. I'll give you what I think is my best example of accomplishing this. A couple of months ago, my brother, who lives in an area where there's a lot of wildlife, he lives on a creek in the area of Virginia known as the Northern Neck, and there are some eagles who live on that same creek. And he likes to take pictures of the eagles and of the ospreys and other wildlife and will email them to me and allow me to post them on my blog. So he sent me some pictures, and I worked them over a little bit and posted them and just said, you know, here are some pictures from my brother on Virginia's northern neck of eagles. And the next day I get an email from him telling him to buy this camera set. So I emailed back and I said to him, you know, I did tinker with these a little bit in the GIMP to try to bring out the brightness and the contrasting detail. And in the email I got back from him, he said, I didn't realize you had edited them. That's about the highest compliment what I want to do with the editing can get, that it enhances what is there. It doesn't change it so well that the person who took the original picture could not tell that the picture had been edited. I'll have a link to that particular web page. Also in the show notes, I will post these pictures that I have done along the way to my website so you can link them up. And I will post the finished product to my website and include the link to that particular post. Also, once again, if you really want to learn how to use the GIMP in great detail, visit meetthegimp.org. I cannot speak highly enough of that gentleman's efforts to spread the word. If you want to email me, you can email me at frank at pineviewfarm.net. Pineview Farm is all one word, no spaces, no punctuation. And my website 
is www.pineviewfarm.net. Thank you very much. You have been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by a HBR listener like yourself. If you ever considered recording a podcast, then visit our website to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club. HBR is funded by the Binary Revolution at binrev.com. All BinRef projects are proudly sponsored by Lunar Pages. From shared hosting to custom private clouds, go to lunarpages.com for all your hosting needs. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike 3.0 license.